Hello and welcome to Crappy Christians. I'm your host, Michael Tabor. I'm Zachary Allard. And this is a very special episode. So Michael, why are we here today? So this episode came to us uh, because I've been talking with my mother among all the feedback that we have we have received, so yes. mu- much of which has been very nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone. Uh, but my mom can't listen to the show uh, because of all the naughty words we use, okay. because we are filled with rage, uh, because the premise of the podcast sort of fundamentally is about, you know, addressing the injustices and issues that we see in the mm-hmm. modern church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we love our moms and we really wanted them to be able to partake. So we're calling this one the one for our moms. And the focus of this is just going to be things that we think that the church gets right. This will be a three minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. Okay. So. We have to... That just costs you a dollar. Oh, man. Dear listener, what we are going to do today is we are going mm-hmm. to do a podcast without any cursing. Okay. But that's not enough. It's not moms, enough. moms are not just legalists. They're not just here to outlaw words, although specifically <laughs> I did get that note. They're here to encourage positivity mm-hmm. and specifically against negativity. So one of the other things we're going to be going for here, which I think is going to be a lot harder, is no just talking smack. So to that end, Zachary Allard, you have just been docked $1 for negative comment. Okay. And uh, we're going to keep a running tally, and at the end of this, we're going to donate these uh, to a charity uh, to be determined by our mothers, as long as it's not terrible. Oh, negative comment. Oh. Cost me a dollar. There we go. Um, no, okay. uh, I'm sure they'll pick out something amazing. So that's something we're going to keep running this whole time. Uh, I assume we have an easy three, 400 in the bank set aside for this. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a real change of pace today, but I'm looking forward to it, because it is actually important to us, I think. As people that spend a lot of time talking about the issues that we have in the church to say that it's because we care about it a lot and we want it to be better. And so to that end, we're going to look at some things that are better because it's worth calling attention to that. So, Zachary, what have we got up first? Like, what's just on your mind? So first this week, we are going to talk about our church a little bit. Yeah. Which is at times, you know, an imperfect vessel. Mm -hmm. Sure. But we, one of the things I think we do the best is our reach out into the community around Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And more specifically to uh, our friends of the community suffering from homelessness. My yeah. wife has spent time working with the homeless population. It is so much more than uh, even, I think, is visible to people. The invisibility of homelessness mm-hmm. for a lot of families mm-hmm. that are struggling uh, is a huge component of that problem. And it's something that our church takes seriously. And Zachary, you've done a lot of work with that ministry. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. So right now we're in the middle of something uh, at our church called the Winter Shelter. Mm-hmm. And during that, uh, L.A. is a pretty warm, sunny place most of the year. But in January, it gets cold at night. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we joke often about how cold for us is like 62. <laughs> but there are legitimately nights in the yes. 40s where it can it can be a really unpleasant thing. Too. And more importantly, it'll be 40s and raining. Yeah. That, you know, that's and, you also know. the one month, one right. and a half months a year that we get <laughs> any sort of weather. And listen, I'm always praying for that rain to go away. But, you know, during this time, it's here. Yes. There's nothing we can do about it. So our church houses... I mean, there's something we can do about it. It's called climate change. We're working on it, man. The rain's not going to be We're working on it. Get it. Yes, we, we are currently... Oh, no. Negative oh, comment. Yeah. Oh. Damn, Michael. All right. Another one. Oh, I should keep track of this separately so we know uh, who who is ultimately <laughs> the, the, the crummier Christian, so to speak. What we do is for those six weeks, we house the most some of the most vulnerable people in the community inside. Um, so they can be outside the cold and the wet. You know, you feed them, you take care of them, you try to give them access to services. We've been doing this for, I think, about 10, 12 years. Yeah. And the woman who runs it was recently in the L.A. Times. 
uh, was given a shout out. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it speaks to the caliber of her ministry specifically mm-hmm. and the work that all of those volunteers do that uh, other other services right. in the area that are trying to address these issues uh, reach out to her pretty regularly. It's one of the reasons why we've been at this church so long is because they take very seriously encountering this problem that is quite literally at their doorstep. Absolutely. And I, I grew up in the church. And to have a church, something we don't even think about, be willing to pay someone whose whole job is to work with the homeless community. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. You don't see it. Most churches don't want to pay their pastors. So there's a lot to love about it. And I also love when you serve on, you know, any given Wednesday or Sunday, you <laughs> serve food to all of yes. the people individually, mm-hmm. and then you sit and eat with people. Yes. And, and so it's a great way, especially if you're doing it consistently, uh, to actually get to know um, individuals and, yeah, and have you, conversations. You and, break bread together. And, yeah. I, you know, and I think they, they really do try. And I think this is a hard thing to do. They really do try to build this idea, sort of the equality between the two of you. It's been really fun. Uh, it's been, and speaking of fun. Occasionally, it can be a little bit uh, exciting. Yeah, that can happen. So but they, uh, tell me that one story. Okay, uh, so I think you were there, but I was, uh, what was I even doing? Okay, so I was pouring. I, I know exactly what you're doing. You were serving Kool-Aid. Yeah, so. I was literally serving Kool-Aid. Yep. And I was pouring it for this for this, for this this woman, and I spilled the cup, not mm-hmm. on her or anything like that. Yeah, they spilled just, the, just ta- the spill. These are small cups of Kool-Aid. So I spilled the Kool-Aid on the table. Yes. And I just, by reflex, apologize. <laughs> of I'm like, course. oh, I'm so sorry. I spilled a drink. I'm going to clean this up. And I'll be yeah. right back. She levels me with a withering stare, this woman. Yes. And she says, real men don't say sorry. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Which is a short story in its own all right. All on its own. And like one... <laughs> Obviously, we don't agree with that, but too, no. it is amazing that this lady in this, just. this moment just sort of owned you oh, so no. hard. Because I immediately so apologized yeah, and skittered away. <laughs> to just be fair. Faded into the ether. Yeah. Just... Not a real man. She was right about that. <laughs> she may have been wrong about men in general. She was correct about me. It was, I, I just happened to be on a little further down the table, also serving Kool Aid, and it was. Absolutely hysterical. <laughs> uh, so shout out to Amy Quigley. She does a ton of work on yeah. that. She's a she's a real hero in the community. And uh, honestly, to a lot of the other volunteers that put in time and effort, particularly now during the winter, sh- winter yes. shelter when there are going to be people there overnight. Yeah, so it's, it's a round the clock operation. Yeah. So I I really I really appreciate that. Cool. Um, Welcome to the end of the podcast. Damn right. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael. Oh, no, I <laughs> wow is that one or two that's a twofer i think wow i'm up to four you've only done one this is really genuinely not the ratio I i'm really cheap <laughs> i don't think i think what you what you didn't realize is i like my money because i don't have any of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah mr Moneybags over here with my swear jar uh let's talk a little bit more about other stuff that's no i mean mind. i think i don't this might be a little redundant so we'll see but I think one of the other things that I, I've had the chance to work with in my years, not as much now, but earlier in my time in L.A., is the Catholic worker. Ooh, we yeah. give Catholics a lot of shit. Dang it. Zachary, you're catching I up. Know. We give them, you know, a lot of trouble because okay. the Catholics have a, so, you know, they have a questionable relationship to youth. I think that counts as not negative. No, it's I just, think that, that's just acknowledging facts. You know, uh, they, they've had some trouble. But... They, there are, particularly at the lower rungs of Catholicism, some wonderful left-leaning Catholics. They were involved in Latin America and the liberation theology movement. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy Day in the 30s started a group called the Catholic Worker. And they, also, they are located in Skid Row. They house their volunteers in Boyle Heights. They 
runs something called the Hippie Kitchen Downtown. And they're there several times a week giving vegetarian meals to people on Skid Row. Wait, vegetarian? (laughs) Just kidding. Didn't say anything negative. By the way, you make that joke. But the friends that come for the meals don't always appreciate not getting meals with meat in them. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, they put it in the name. (laughs) Hippie Kitchen. You were warned. Yeah, you know. Uh, But they were pretty generous with uh, proteins and trying to be like, hey, we this is all lentils, but you can have a ton of lentils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may not like lentils, but you can have six pounds of them. (laughs) Let me tell you, (laughs) lentils will love you. Yeah. They also, one of the most beautiful things they do to make it a little different from the Lord's Lighthouse is they also help with foot care of the uh, homeless population there. Yeah. Which is particular because it's a real problem with the homeless community. They have a lot of trouble taking care of their feet because they're outside so much. Of course. And so they will do, the volunteers will like wash and trim and help them with just general foot health, which is one of the most beautiful things that like I can't even make a joke about it. Oh, no. It's why like, would no, you? you have volunteers choosing to help care for the feet of society's lowliest people. It's just like, okay, say what you Literally will. Literally a reflection of Jesus. You know, <laughs> like, I can't think of feet. anything more Christ like, actually. Yeah. No, so, it's, it's an incredible ministry. They're also very politically active. They're so. extreme. They go protest by the courthouse all the time. <laughs> like basically like, every like, day. Yeah, like six of them will take the train downtown. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I don't undercut this too much because we know some people in that community and they should come on and really yeah, talk yeah. about the Catholic worker. Ultimately, but I want to say we criticize Catholics a lot and that will continue in future episodes. Yeah, tune in next week. But, yeah, that's right. None for of this. An hour. Sorry, but. moms. You only get one. <laughs> But they are out there. They're doing the Lord's work. They're fighting the leftist fight. Yeah, absolutely. And I it, no, they I quote think... Marx on their website. <laughs> <laughs> so you know they're biblical. <laughs> and I think actually quoting Marx on their website is a great lead into one of the things that I was studying up yes. on, which was the history of socialism and Christianity. Uh, because a long and starred history. <laughs> I mean, it, it actually is. is I know a long it is. That's history. not a joke. That's not negativity. <laughs> uh, at one point, early in sort of the socialist movement that mm-hmm. came up in the 1800s, as a response to sort of working conditions, uh, 25% of Christians in America identified as socialists. But it was really interesting to sort of read some of this history, and I won't get into all of that because mm-hmm. it's it's too much for this podcast. And we do actually want to focus in some ways more on what the church is doing now. Of course. But I found one uh, sermon that I thought was just really really great and it's called the message of jesus to men of wealth and i'm just going to quote a little bit from the beginning and a tiny bit from the ending uh but it was written in 1890 and it sort of starts up setting up uh, cain and abel as a concept of... didn't know bernie was preaching <laughs> back then but he was alive he might have been there uh bernie not only was alive back then he was he looked the same like <laughs> and he says cain's hands were the first to grasp and wield competition as a weapon of progress a weapon mm. from which no economic theorist has ever been able to wash the blood of human suffering wow yeah wow very 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 powerful stuff a little later he says the blood of abel, abel cries out through the toiling of millions why do we have a po- why don't we just read yeah. sermons on this po- <laughs> i i have to say i am just humbled i feel negative to only towards myself uh, when i hear that i think yeah we are not as good as this dude more than a lot Who's of dead <laughs> <laughs> finally from the beginning a civilization based on self-interest and securing itself through competition has no power within itself to secure justice Wow. Yeah. Which sort of just, I think, strikes at the core of the difference between a competitive system and a cooperative system. And mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, through a thousand different variants, depending on which 
Bernie Twitter follower you ask, uh, <laughs> but all sort of speak to the fundamental idea of like, well, are we in this together or aren't we? The truth is we are, we are all in this together. You could even say it's a communal project. You could even say <laughs> if there was some, some word to come up with for that, it'll come to us. Uh, and then at the very end, uh, I'm gonna give myself a pass on this one because it's not me uh, being negative. Okay. It, it is this gentleman. Uh, you are being positive about his about about his intensity. Uh, <laughs> this is the very last paragraph of the text. God's new day of judgment is surely and swiftly dawning. Voices from out of the future are crying repentance unto this generation. The axe is laid at the root of the tree. New John Baptists are arising who will speak truth and justice to the Herods of finance, though their ecclesiastical heads be the price of the message. Wow. It's shockingly contemporary. That's, I think, the thing that sounds most, most intense. It sounds like Occupy Wall Street. Or Bernie yeah, well, or... I mean, uh, not unlike Bernie co- sort of constantly <laughs> being like, I'll, I'll change my message when we fix the problems. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> this gentleman, the Reverend George D. Heron, who was writing in 1890 and was uh, a, a devout socialist as well as a devout believer. Uh, you know who else? They're, was... they're not in conflict. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know who else might agree with us on that, Zachary? Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, indeed. That's right. We literally celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, day yesterday. Yes. I celebrated by going to work because we live in a capitalist nightmare. It's it's cool. I was celebrating. At throw the in a dollar it, on that one and not feel bad about it. I was I was uh, volunteering at the winter shelter. So yeah, it's okay. I'm gonna say that that sort of bragging is going to cost you a dollar <laughs> on this one. Five to four. We'll see if you can take the lead, Zachary. I'm having a good time. How's your tea, by the way? I have to say, it's really nice. Yeah, this is warm. It's comforting. um, Thank you, moms, for tea. Thank you for introducing us to tea. My mom, every afternoon, her her glass of black tea, just very simple, but it was a regular companion across my entire childhood, and it's something that I have carried into adulthood. That's sweet. Uh, My mom only drinks coffee. Solid. She, she, uh, if you know my mom, yeah, I mean, that, the that actually phrase. that actually it totally tracks. plays for me. She's she a, she's great. She's, she's a, a firecracker in, in the best way. But absolutely, does that woman run on high octane octane caffeine all the time? I one hundred percent. Caffeine believe might that. run on her. Like she is just, and I mean that is with the most love. So Martin Luther King Jr. We're going to briefly acknowledge there have been occasional reports of his cancellation. Yes, this the was FBI a very 2017. Came out with a report saying that he may have been involved in some extremely unseemly things. Yeah, so I actually did a fair amount of research on this. Okay. So maybe I maybe can, you speak can speak to, speak that to this better than even I a little more. Uh, it wasn't that they released a report; it's that they had a bunch of documents from the time that they were surveilling Martin Luther King, and those documents accidentally got leaked. So it was part of a release of a mm-hmm. bunch of documents. These weren't supposed to be a part, but about a thousand pages did get released. And uh, a Martin Luther King scholar who had written several books about him uh, found them and ended up going through them. And it, it contained not just uh, you know accusations about uh, him cheating on his wife, mm-hmm. which have at least a fair amount of evidence outside of these texts, yes, yes. but much more seriously accusations that he was present at a rape and sort of you know yeah, enthusiastically yes. cheering on mm-hmm. you know a, a another pastor. Uh, and so, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because it's uh, nonsense. Briefly, at least without further corrob- corroboration. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, one, I think it's important to say, like, this isn't coming from a victim. This is coming right. from the FBI. And I'm going to yes. give ourselves a little bit of pass <laughs> in this moment to say, never trust anything that comes exclusively from the FBI. Yes, this is actually a, not a negative thought. The yeah. FBI, speaking negatively of the FBI is a positive thing. <laughs> Amen. Uh, the FBI, why are you surveilling? Whatever Martin Luther King Jr. 
uh, his philandering may have been. Why are you surveilling a pacifist preacher who wants equality? Well, I'll tell you exactly place. why. Because Hoover called him, and this is a direct quote, yes. the most dangerous Negro in America. The FBI did a lot to fight against black movements in the 60s, including oh. MLK. And I'd, I would never imply that they killed him. I am implying that they killed him. <laughs> Michael's implying, and I'm deducting a dollar off his total for that. <laughs> uh, so he, let's, let's, here, here's what I'll say. It wouldn't be the first time. That's, no. That's what I'll say. Wouldn't be the first, probably, Definitively, I can say it wouldn't be the it first time. It probably won't be the last. And yeah, it, their surveillance for Martin Luther King was not a dude sitting in a car across no. the street. They put bugs in all of his phones. Mm. They had video cameras in his rooms. I mean, this was an incredibly awful and invasive thing and then they tried to blackmail him with this information and that's and that's why whenever you think like well the federal government was good during the 60s they made the south finally stop this the federal government was cooperating with states to fight against civil rights leaders 100 percent, all the time so it is important for us to examine and and not overvalorize our heroes and Mm -hmm. leaders to the point that we ignore their flaws but what is existing directly came from people that have been told to destroy this man. And that's exactly what they set out to do. And that is the lens at which you need to view these accusations. Um, yeah. And if more information comes to light, so be it. Very well said. So just briefly, Martin Luther King Jr. was out there fighting through a Christian lens against segregation for yeah. equality. Uh, he would, you know, he wrote letter from Birmingham jail and was by and large two pastors you know it was two other christians absolutely was the audience and you know he would when he talked about segregation he used scripture and history he said quote the answer lies in the fact that there are two types of laws when he was talking about fighting against the law against Mm -hmm. civil disobedience the answer lies not in the fact that there are two types of laws just and unjust i would be the first to advocate obeying just laws one has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. Preach. I would agree with St. Augustine that an unjust law is no law at all. So that's just brief context. He's, he, was, he came to his politics through Christianity in a way that we aspire to, not the other way around. Absolutely. Uh, here's the thing that usually gets lost around what? this time of year. There's something that we don't teach in our public high schools about Martin Luther King? Well, the minor thing is that he burns libs. <laughs> this is minor. Quote, I have reached the, I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride towards freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klan, but the white moderate. Oh. Who's devoted more to, who's devoted to, more devoted to order than to justice. Who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice? Who constantly says, I agree with the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action? Who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom? Who lives by a mythical concept of time? And who conveniently advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season? Wow. Yeah. What a what an incredible passage, just, man! Just fire, <sighs> just straight fire, nonstop. He was also a socialist. Yes, <laughs> I think specifically that, a democratic a socialist. He was a democratic socialist. He was anti-capitalist. And when he was assassinated, this is from an article in the Seattle Times. Yes, when he was assassinated, this quote from the article: King was planning a poor people's march on Washington. He advocated base, universal basic income that would raise everyone. Are you telling me? Are you telling me Martin Luther King Jr. was Yang Gang? I'm gonna take that. As, <laughs> as one, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
Yeah. So he advocated a universal basic income that would raise everyone, poor minority and poor white, to middle class level. Boom. And remember, this was the late 1960s when the mostly white American middle class was at its high point and the rich were taxed at 70%. Yet, he said, quote, we have come a long way in our understanding of human motivation and of the blind operation of our economic system. Now, we realize that dislocations in the market, operation of our economy, and the prevalence of discrimination thrust people into idleness and bind them in constant and frequent unemployment against their will. The poor are less often dismissed from our conscious conscience today by being branded as inferior and incompetent. He warned that capitalism has seen its best days in America, and not only in America, but in the entire world. Truer words. True then, truer now. So... You know, some people have drawn the conclusion that not only that this was part and parcel, because he said as much, of his sort of fight for equality. And that's one of the reasons why he was killed was not only because he was fighting for civil rights, but because he was expanding that to all people. Yeah. And I think that is like a really beautiful message, even though obviously it ended tragically. But like he was moving his message to something incredibly universal and like pretty frankly kind of beautiful. I got to say, this is surprisingly fun for me. I don't know if it's funny, but it's it's really, like, affirming. Oh, it's nice. Like, I'm, I'm, be, I'm being fed by this. This is just the podcast now. It's just us yeah. leaving, reading Martin Luther King Jr. quotes and high-fiving. That's it. That's everything that's happening. It blows up. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's way better than anything else we're going to do. Tune in next week to be disappointed by our rambling. Uh, Are you tired of us being angry? Us too. <laughs> yeah, I would love to be happy. What would that be like? Bernie Sanders has been saying this for 9,000 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just, he has his like Beauty and the Beast transformation at the end when everyone is cared for uh, in the world. I genuinely believe if Bernie Sanders passes health care for all, he will die. But he will be taken by a chariot into heaven, a la uh, Elijah. Elijah. Oh, I love that. Uh, my my counter argument: Bernie Sanders <laughs> won't die. He can't die. He's been here forever. Right. Uh, but he will transform into Justin Timberlake. He'll just be Bernie Sanders, who looks like Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll dance. He'll dance into history. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about art. You know, we're highfalutin sorts. We watch Kirk Cameron Pe films. People certainly tell us we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mainly when they say shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we have promulgated a lot of art, like, Kirk, like, like Surviving exactly. Christmas. On this so podcast. in the vein of Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas, we're going to talk about some other, uh, not necessarily Christian art, but Christian yes. authors that have meant a lot to us. Briefly, we'll mention Dennis Johnson be um, because he wrote a book. He's written several books that we love. Most famously, Jesus' Son. Mm -hmm. I know my favorite, True Smoke, possibly yes. yours as well. Yeah, uh, True uh, Smoke is my favorite, one of my two favorite novels. Dennis Johnson was a wild man. Um, he led an insane life. He did a lot of things, uh, You know, went to war-torn countries. He mm -hmm. was one of the last great uh, gonzo war reporters yes. that would just go and be in conflict zones you know what he also did yeah a lot of heroin <laughs> yeah no that's true he was no he was an addict in his younger years yeah and, and wrote, writes a lot about that he, very beautifully yeah absolutely uh, his jesus son which is one of his early mm -hmm. works is uh, exclusively pretty much about addiction although it touches a billion other things but he might be the only person and it's in no small part because of his radical humanism as a christian yes who can talk about addiction in an interesting way because it, he doesn't do the whole, like, we're going to do a scene. Alcohol, AA, where people just talk about something 
They did, and everyone cries. Zachary, I'm going to say I two know. things. You cursed, and that's a negative statement. Yes. So that's that's two. You are now officially in the lead. Okay. Uh, but he does. He writes beautifully. Yeah. We love his stuff. We're not going to spend a lot of time no. quoting him because we have an even more impressive. <laughs> but even more impressive is a woman by the name of Marilyn Robinson. Oh, my goodness. Marilyn Robinson. Michael, who is Marilyn Robinson? Marilyn Robinson is... Uh, probably among the smartest people I've ever read. I'll say definitely among the smartest people I've ever read, possibly the smartest person I've ever read. She is an author of uh, Gilead, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the first book that uh, you and then recommended to me and I read, which is a novel exclusively about pastors, fathers (laughs) and sons being pastors. I, it is in my top five novels and I cry constantly when I read it. Didn't you read the ending today? I read the ending today and just cried. Yeah, I'm like tearing up right now. Like it's, uh, it's ludicrous. Now, part of this is because my father was a minister. Yes. my His grandfather was a minister. Mm-hmm. And there were ministers in the line before that. Yeah. And my family grew up dirt poor in the middle of the country, on that side especially. And it just feels like I'm reading a family history. Because he's writing it, the premise of the novel. Is she's this, writing it, but the she's, premise she's, of the she's writing it, sorry. The premise of the novel is it's written in the first person from a man who was a pastor mm-hmm. in his old age as he's about to die. And he's writing about his life and his forebears to his son. Yes. So he is sharing sharing his history with mm-hmm. his son and sort of writing uh, both about the things that are happening in his day and then also telling you know the story of his family history as he dies to his son that he had late in life. And it is, uh, you know, this is not a thing we're known for, no. gentleness, <laughs> but it is an incredibly gentle work. It is incredibly uh, loving and, and impossibly human in a way that, you know, even great art so oh, rarely manages yes. to be. It's so humble. I think that's one of the most interesting yeah. things about it. Art is often rewarded for brashness, for originality. Yes, and these absolutely. are bad things. These are things I've indulged in. And, and they're and things the, I often love. Well, it's bad when you do it, but it's great when certain other people <laughs> when do When good it. people do yeah, it, exactly. of course. It's not a bad quality. I'm, I was negative. I'm going to give myself yeah. one. Now you're tied. A, a tied game, six all. Oh, interesting. But she wrote a book that is like incredibly humble. It is about grappling with a life on earth and sort of like the idea of being a Christian at the same time and loving both of those things. There are literally only two books that make me cry every time I read them. (laughs) And that is uh, Harry Potter, the one where Dumbledore dies. Yes. And Gilead. Uh, And I've just never been able to get through either of them. The two greatest books (laughs) in the Western canon. (laughs) (laughs) The two canons. Actually, it's not the Western canon. They invented a separate canon. for. (laughs) uh, Let's read a little bit. Because one of the things that makes Gilead so special is Mm -hmm. that it does have this genuinely, I would say, biblical grace to it. Yes. Uh, The other thing that Marilyn Robinson does is write essays. She's written a bunch Mm. of collections of essays. And in these essays, she is a straight just hardcore destroyer <laughs> of the things that she sees as a problem in modern thought. I kinda, it is, go ahead. You see not just her lyrical ability mm-hmm. to craft sentences of immense beauty, but also just what a thinker. But why don't you read a couple selections yes. from Gilead? Briefly, just as slightly more context for her life. Yes. She is a congregationalist mm-hmm. and she at times preaches. She's kind of a lay minister. I and she could, and, and Obama refers to her as a theologian. Yes. Because he interviewed her. Yes, that was that was that was great. That was a really genuine. It's really. It's really I don't know if we've ever said anything genuinely nice about <laughs> Obama, but Obama inter- interviewing Marilyn Robinson is as kind of a fanboy. It's yeah. really charming. It was. It was an absolute great review. It's a, it's a really good review if you're into that kind of uh, thing. So we're just going to read a few passages from Gilead because they're they're worth reading. Absolutely. There is no justice in love, she writes. No proportion in it, and there need not be. 
because in any specific instance, it is only a glimpse or a parable of an embracing and comprehensible reality. It makes no sense at all because it's the eternal breaking in on the temporal. So how could it subordinate itself to cause or consequence? In every important way, we are such secrets from one another. And I do believe that there is a separate language in each of us, also a separate aesthetics and a separate jurisprudence. Every single one of us is a little civilization built on the ruins of any number preceding civilizations, but with our own variant notions of what is beautiful and what is acceptable, which I hasten to add we generally do not satisfy and by which we struggle to live. Oh. We take fortuitous resemblances among us to be actual likenesses because those around us have fallen heir to the same customs, trade in the same coin, acknowledge more or less the same notions of decency and sanity. But all that really just allows us to coexist with the inviolable, intraversible, and utterly vast spaces between us. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> We're both crying. There's a lot of crying. <laughs> Why is my dog crying? She does that. That's beautiful. Yeah. I just, and the whole book is like that. Yeah, it really, it really <laughs> genuinely is. You might think that that's like her, her one great moment like that, but no, no. That's, that's literally like every other place. I had to, it was hard for me to pick one. I will tell one small yeah, funny please. one because yeah. I think it's important to say that she, not unlike Beth Moore, and all great writers, is very, very funny. Yeah. So this is writing from her first person perspective of her character, John Ames. I've developed a great reputation for wisdom by ordering more books than I ever had time to read and reading more books by far than I learned anything useful from. <laughs> Except, of course, that some very tedious gentlemen have written books. <laughs> uh, oh, what a burn to all men writing books. It's so good. It's so good. And, and that is the kind of like yep. incredibly cutting humor that you see a lot in her essays. I similarly went for the, for the pathos rather than the comedy yeah. uh, because how could you not? But this comes from the the very end of her one of her essays in the Death of Adam, which she titles "Facing Reality," which is just that's all, just that amazing you know, stuff. Going to cover it in twenty pages. Uh, but she goes, "If the universe is only all we have so far seen, we are its great marvel." I consider it an honor to follow St. Francis or William Tyndale or Angelina Grimke or Lydia Marie Child anywhere, even to mere extinction. I am honored in the cunning of my hand. This being human, people have loved it through plague and famine and siege. And Dante, who knew the world about suffering, had a place in hell for those who were grave when they might have rejoiced. Still a little comedy, though. Still a little comedy there at the end. Yeah. Uh, Saying people should understand joy. So. That's Marilyn Robinson. She's definitely an author that has meant a lot to us. Seek uh, her out if this is if you care about this stuff at all, and you don't have to. No, absolutely not. The moment when we get her on this podcast, the oh. podcast is over. That's oh, the that's apex. our final episode. Yeah. I retire. Yeah. I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah, care. Yeah, what, we don't do anything else. I don't either. care if I'm in the middle of something. That moment. Yeah, it's fine. It's done. Okay, so one of the other things we wanted to talk about: big sections of our childhood. Oh, yes. There were there were some fun moments. And, uh, you know, there were some things that certainly I could point to that I would like to be different. Yes. Uh, but honestly, growing up in the church community that I grew up in was really good for a very shy child Aww. who struggled a lot in sort of the wider world with making friends and developing relationships and having a place that was a little more welcoming and a little more tolerant of my idiocy and weirdness was like 
really, really helpful. Um, and so it, it meant a lot growing up. I also introduced me to things like VeggieTales, which is uh, pretty <sighs> baller. VeggieTales was great, I, man. I, I For early VeggieTales, I'm not entirely sure. It's like The Simpsons. We can debate about the good seasons, <laughs> the golden <laughs> era. And let me tell you, as somebody that ended up watching a lot of other sort of Christian content, it was just so head and shoulders above the so, rest. What is VeggieTales for yeah, our... Exactly. Uh... So for people that didn't uh, have our upbringing specifically... <laughs> Literally in our homes. VeggieTales was an animated comedy series about uh, Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber. And those two guys would have adventures, usually through some sort of biblical parable. And it was all done. Every character was a fruit or vegetable. And they were very cute and they were animated and they even had jokes that were funny, which let me tell you, could be hard to come by. Uh, I, I, I would, I'm envious. Every episode of Christian. <laughs> oh, there it is. Boom. Mentioned our own podcast. Dang it. It, it would eventually be our podcast that brought us down. Uh, <laughs> all right. Day, Zach's taking the lead. Seven seconds. We'll day. see. But it was an incredibly adorable show that was yeah. entertaining. They were yeah. like 20 to 25 minute episodes. They would tell one or two biblical parables a week and they would have entertaining songs. And sometimes one of the things I appreciated, the songs weren't even directly Christian. They would have a segment called Silly Songs with Larry. And Larry would come out and sing a silly song. And he song. would sing a song about where is his hairbrush. And now it's time for Silly Songs with Larry. The part of the show where Larry comes out and sings a silly song. Our curtain opens as Larry, having just finished his morning bath, is searching for his hairbrush. Having no success, Larry cries out. Oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where is my hairbrush? He, in that song, did not know where his hairbrush was. I'm, I Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night wondering, did he ever find it? Yeah, other hits include uh, Everybody Has a Water Buffalo. Everybody's got a water buffalo. Yours is fast, but mine is slow. And uh, my personal favorite life mantra, uh, his cheeseburger, which is all about a man mm -hmm. craving a cheeseburger. But uh, the cheeseburger place is closed, so he goes to a Denny's and then he regrets it. It's, it really, again, another short story of woe and loss for children <laughs> everywhere. No, and it was like funny and they would yeah. reference things like Monty Python. And when you're nine, you don't get that, but you appreciate that there's an annoying French accented peas on the walls of Jericho. Oh, absolutely. Like that's smart. That's funny. That's cute. That's engaging. And it was a good time. I had a really good time at things like vacation Bible school. Oh, interesting. Which, Again, for those of you who didn't have my exact upbringing, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a week, they will just basically take your kids for like five or six hours a day, and we would go and you would play games, and you would sing dumb songs, and you would get Kool-Aid, and all of this, it would just be great. We could three or four hours, especially as a shy child who didn't have any friends and moved a lot. I remember <laughs> one summer when we were living in Philadelphia, uh, I went to like six or seven of these. Wait, you're saying that two grown men that decided to do something predicated on sitting in a room alone and talking uh, were shy as children? 
I'm saying the church was good for that. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it, there were a lot of things. Uh, other just brief media things that yes. I, I loved growing up. My my first uh, band, <laughs> DC Talk. First, CD, first and last. Alpha first and concert, Omega. Yeah, beginning and the end. Uh, uh, DC Talk was a Christian rock rap band. <laughs> uh, they heavily... Heavily, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're inspired by Nirvana for their biggest hit, Jesus Freak. Deep-seated in the American citizen is pride in his community as an expression of all that his country stands for: individual independence, with respect for the rights of others. Born of the concept that all men are free and equal. Separated, I cut myself clean. From a past that comes back in my darkest of dreams. Been apprehended by a spiritual force and the grace that replaces all. would say uh plagiarized i wouldn't we say wouldn't that. say that not certainly not on the mother episode no. uh but they were honestly the first band i ever fell in love with which you know i on another another episode i might be embarrassed about but no this is the episode where i love them dearly i also have to this day a bunch of dc talk cds oh, one of my dearest memories in la was another friend who was a fellow crummy christian and we were coming from a an award show of all things and we put in jesus freak and just sing it at the top of our lungs. I, I remember being 12 years old, going to the amphitheater. It mm -hmm. was DC Talk, Jars of Clay, Delirious, and Burlap to Cashmere. And for all of you Incredible that have no stuff. idea Incredible what, stuff. what the, any of that is, let me just tell you, <laughs> that's a killer lineup. You should be jealous <laughs> of me right now. I bought a hat, mm -hmm. bought a DC Talk hat, and wore it every day uh, until it was basically threads. No, my first concert, Jars of Clay, Caveman's what? Call, at... Six Flags. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, the Six Flags. That's so good. Oh, man. I love that. So it was a rocking time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think if we stuck with it for this long. Yeah. And let's just say there's been challenges in the church. <laughs> what? I, you know, listen to any other episode of this show and you'll probably hear about some of that. Absolutely. But the reason we're still here. Uh, yeah, I think. Many decades later. I. I just the character and, and presence of Jesus Christ. And we, we are not here to convert you. No. We are, we are no. not here to, to lecture you. It's not um, a Bible-thumping situation. That is, I mean, I'm going to thump you with a Bible at some point, but... Uh, <laughs> I think that counts as a negative comment. I'm not sure if it does. Okay. I think okay, that might count have... as righteous anger, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. Boom. One of the beautiful things about uh, Jesus is just the way in which he represents a radical reorganization of everything about our social order. Yes. And, uh, both in his character, the divine becoming man uh, and serving through death and also in what he demands of us to care for mm -hmm. the poor and needy, um, to to live lives of radical service that we certainly are not very good at, hence the title of the show, but that we try to live out. I think it is genuinely a thing that uh, we're talking about the words of Martin Luther King being current even today. Uh, so too the words of Christ, that they, they have a continual power to 
renew the spirit and encourage the sort of radical transformation that we want to see both as believers and as socialists. Yeah, the person of there, there is no person in human history at this point who's been more litigated than Jesus Christ. But I think what I find so inspiring, what keeps me going is his radical relationships in, in the time. You know, he spoke to women, to people at the bottom of the social totem pole, beggars, like peers. Mm -hmm. You know, he when he spoke, speaks to the woman at the well, she is a social outcast for a number of different reasons. When he speaks to, when he talks about a Samaritan, he is speaking about an enemy of your people yeah. as someone to aspire to. You know, when the women are the ones that first come to his tomb, you know, back then they weren't even allowed to testify in court, but they were the ones he wanted to testify for him. Yeah. And I think, you know, when he talks about poverty and wealth, it's all, you know, rich man in the eye of a needle. Like that is, could be the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> it should you know, be. of our podcast. It should be the tagline. You know, it's harder. You know, he is, he had all the right enemies and all the right allies. And I think about that uh, line from James, and I think it describes Jesus really well, that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Hmm. I think that's what Jesus was about. Caring for the orphans and widows, man. That's right. Okay, so th that has been Crappy Christians. Thank you if you have uh, stuck with us through all this. Uh, we have a segment at the end of this podcast that we like to call Prayer, Prayer Requests, Praises, and Unspokens. If you've ever been in a religious community, you've probably had that asked of you. So we, we go around this little room right here. We just ask, like, what's on your mind today? And I'm actually going to answer this question for both of us uh, because we just have one praise this week, and that's moms. Yep, our um, mothers specifically, mom, moms in general, but like... All the good moms everywhere, but our mom specifically who invested a lot of love and care in raising us and uh, who put up with us when we were uh, knuckleheads, <laughs> which continued into right now. Uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're just so grateful uh, to be able to, to have them. And No, every, I am bad at almost everything, but if there's anything that I'm good at, it's because of the care and rigor that my mom put into raising me. And teaching me how to think. And I appreciate that every day. And in a roundabout way, she would hate this. But I'm a socialist because of my mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! No, you slipped but it I, in but, at the end. But oh, thank that's... you, Mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean it. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. And thank you guys so much for listening. So we've made it to the end of the podcast, uh, which means it is time to tally up our failings. <laughs> Hurrah. Uh, so let's see. Zachary, over the course of this podcast, you had seven moments where you, you were either negative or used language that our mothers would not like. Sorry, Mom. Uh, <laughs> I, on the other hand, had eight. Wow. I know. Wow. I, I really genuinely did not think that I was going to come out of this one on top. So I'd like to thank the Academy. Uh, <laughs> really, it's been my life work disappointing my mother in various forms and fashions. So we're going to take that money and figure out uh, somewhere worthwhile to donate it to.